a sexual needs sex almost like they need oxygen in order to feel connected to their life, like they're succeeding. And that's a switch from the sensual who like the sexual can go right to sex. And that's what helps them relax. The sensual needs the massaging and the toggles to take them from a stressful life to be able to open to their eroticism. I'm Alexa, and you're listening to That Sex Check, a Soulfire production. All right, fam, we have another juicy conversation to have for y'all today for That Sex Check, and one that I am... Hmm, let me see. There's not many... Uh, the conversations that we're going to have that I, that I, I catch feels like almost nervousness um, because of the, the person that's coming on the show or the subject matter that's coming on the show. And I guess show, and I guess that I'm, I, I catch feels for this one because what we're going to talk about on this show has been so beneficial in my own life and in my own relationship. And when I'm very surface level teaching it to other people just based off of what I know and then what I know in my own personal life, it always blows their minds. But when I I feel like when I'm having a conversation, I'm sure this one that is about to unfold, I'm having a conversation with someone who really understands the erotic blueprints. I can't hide. And, and, and in my relationship, like I can't hide, I feel so seen. I feel so vulnerable. I feel like, uh, I can't hold back. Um, I feel like people who really have studied the erotic blueprints through and through whenever I get into a conversation with them, I'm just like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I am talking with a stranger that can see me so clearly and not just like see me who I am, but like see me in my turn on, see me in my sexual expression. And even as I'm describing it right now, I feel my body temperature going up and my face starting to get a little bit hot. And so um, we're finally getting to have a, a total, a whole show designated to the erotic blueprints today. And the crowd goes wild. Yeah. Ah. If I knew how to work this roadcaster contraption in front of me, then I would press the button that makes the applause happen. But I, it's a crapshoot. I don't know which button does it. So um, who is on the show with me today? Well, the first person you might've heard just now chime in a little bit, Jordan Maurice Bowditch, my husband. Found me. Yeah, he's on the show and not just someone who generally speaking knows the erotic blueprints, but someone who really, really knows the erotic blueprints, like helps to to create them as the other person that is on the show. Ian, thank you so much for having this conversation with us today. I'm thrilled. Your your feels are giving me feels. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's a thing. We're a feeling mm-hmm. family over here. Uh-huh. <laughs> so before we get into the details of the erotic blueprints and how to navigate them and what they mean and how they came to be, I would love if you would like to give our listeners a little bit of your backstory and how you started doing this work and then helping to develop the methodology of the erotic blueprints. Sure. Um, well, I came to it, I guess, honestly, because I had been in a marriage for six years and that marriage, I would say, failed largely due to the sex that we were having or not having. And uh, I would put 99.9% of the onus of the failure on my shoulders because I was not at that time willing to be fully present with what it took to bring my partner to pleasure. And I didn't go running off to study Tantra and sexuality and kink and all the things that now I have a great facility with right out of the gate. But what I did do is I made a very clear commitment to myself, which was um, weird. You got me in the feels mode. I'm feeling feels for the, (laughs) the, the sort of big shift, which was just to simply commit to being present to any lover that I have to the point where I understand them and I know them and I can supply pleasure in the way that they're going to feel it and be able to bring them to orgasm, ejaculation, or whatever the the thing is, and be able to do that through my own discomfort or my own lack, uh, lack of confidence. And that simple decision set a series of things in motion where the next relationships I had were fundamentally different on the in the realm of sexuality. And then I realized 
even more deeply that in my marriage and all previous relationships, there was some aspect of me that was high, like high, would would twist myself in knots to be who I thought my partner needed me to be. Even if they weren't asking for it, I was making shit up on my head to to try and put myself in this pretzel to be in that relationship. And I noticed now that I was no longer willing to do that, that um, there were legitimate things that were coming up from people I was coming into partnership with who where they were trying to coerce a certain kind of behavior out of me to have them feel safe or have them feel um, have have it be have me live up to their expectations. and. I wasn't willing to play that game anymore. So I came across polyamory and I know the show is not about that. It was just a philosophy. It was just like, I'd heard about swingers. I heard about all this kind of stuff. And it, that always had kind of like, ah, made me edgy um, because it was the hot tubs and the mustaches and the whatever, and like in the, the 1970s <laughs> version of, of swinger land. And I have a much more uh, deep idea of what that actually means. But I just chose polyamory. I said, that sounds like a philosophy for me because it's about authentic relating. It's about being honest. It's about revealing. I'm attracted to other people. I have, I flirt with other people. I thought I would be left solo, standing on my own, the person, uh, you know, non grata, like all women would run away from me thinking this guy is uh, intimacy phobic and can't have a relationship and he just wants to get in everybody's pants. And the other piece that I added to the, to choosing polyamory was that I would be completely authentic up front with anybody who I was coming into partnership with, that that's what I was doing. Um, I thought it'd be solo, lonely bachelor, screwed by choosing this philosophy. And within two weeks, I was dating five women who all knew about each other. And in that mix um, came the only person who had any experience with polyamory, which is my current love, life partner, and co-creator of the Rock Blueprints, Jaya. Um, so I, by whatever circumstance, ended up being in relationship with the one of the preeminent sexologists on the planet <laughs> yeah. as my primary partner. That could be a little bit of an intimidating. What it has turned into is a journey of exploration, discovery, become using our relationship as a source of testing. Like, you know, it's the guinea pig. It's like if something's not working and there's been plenty of times in our relationship where we were, you know, especially after our son was born and the 2009 recession where we were at the edge, like we were, we were more than one foot out the door each. And it was looking like it was the end of our relationship. And that's when the blueprint started to come into focus in her practice. That's when we started to understand we, we're just not speaking each other's erotic language. We're completely bypassing each other because we each have very different primary approaches to our arousal and turn on and what it means to flirt or um, do foreplay and how those two things, all those things work in our system. So the blueprints became an active practice for our relationship to reignite passion, to reconnect, to rediscover what came naturally early in our relationship, which is usually what happens for everybody. It's like the limerence period. We're in love. Everything's great. And everybody sort of gravitates towards what we call the sexual center because you just want to be with each other and eat each other's face and each other's bodies and all up in all the stuff. But then over time, when that period wears off, you're, you start to return to your true center. This is what I want, desire. I've not been living that. And People don't have the language to to explore, express, create a, a musical, you know, if like we're using the, the metaphor of music to, to be able to, you know, play jazz and rock together and figure out how they how they can mix. So the blueprints became that language. They, they became the foundation for all of that reigniting, all of that deeper connection, all of that truly fulfilling each other's desires. And, and it was being practiced inside of the coaching work that we were doing with clients and blowing their minds and blowing their relationships, um, wide open in ways that all the previous stuff around sex techniques and sexuality coaching had never been able to, to crack that nut. Man, what a great story. Thank you for sharing. I can, I resonate with so much of that, um, great context for this conversation, uh, 
So getting into the erotic blueprints a bit, can you describe the methodology in a way that a five-year-old could make sense of it? <laughs> uh, well, I don't know about a five-year-old. An advanced five-year-old. <laughs> I think what he's really saying is, you know, the layperson. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally get it. <laughs> um, okay. So if you have heard of the love languages, that is, you know, gifts, time, Act touch. Of service. Yeah. Acts of service. That's become very, pretty common in people's vocabulary around uh, helping to have a language to understand your lover and partner better when it comes to your relationships, even relationships with your kids and whatnot. The erotic blueprints is, has some similarities to that. It's a, but it's about your erotic map of arousal. Like, what is it that you specifically are, what's your easiest, juiciest, most resourced path to eroticism, turn on, orgasmic sensation, um, deeper connection, total turn on. And the idea here is that you have a primary blueprint, your sort of lead. But you are aspects of all five of the blueprint types, and they're energetic, sensual, kinky, sexual, and shapeshifter. The really dialed-in description, there's, there's incredible depth to each of these blueprints, but I'd say if I'm giving you the highlights, energetics are turned on by anticipation, tease, the wanting, the craving, the desiring. They like space. They like slowness. They like to be able to feel um, deeply connected to their partner. And if something is, is off in themselves energetically or their lover, it'll be like a red fire alarm and they'll have a hard time dropping in and connecting. And I'm only speaking to the superpowers of each of the blueprints. They all have their shadow side as well. The, the sensual is uh, what it sounds like. The sensual brings artistry to sexuality. Do they bring the, they want close touch where uh, energetic wants space and distance and anticipation the sensual wants to collapse that into like deep, connected, contouring touch. They can orgasm by tasting the most delicious strawberry or hearing an incredible piece of music. And everything needs to be in order for the for the sensual, for the true sensual to really relax and open. Um, that's another part of the sensual. They need to, they often need to relax first to open to their sexuality. If you go for sexuality first, that's a shutdown. That's, I'm not ready for it. They're not open. The sexual is what we think of as stereotypically sex in our culture, genitals, nudity, uh, orgasm, you know, the, the five ways to give your lover a blowjob so they'll, you know, scream you in ecstasy. Forever. <laughs> yeah, for, they'll love you forever. Um, that, that's where we see sort of plastered over, for the most part, in movies, media, advertising, is the overt sexuality they're they can go there they bring the fun to sex the zero to 60 they're ready for it a sexual needs sex almost like they need oxygen in order to feel connected to their life like they're they're succeeding and that's a switch from the sensual who like the sexual can go right to sex and that's what helps them relax the sensual needs the massaging and the toggles to take them from a stressful life to be able to open to their eroticism. In the kinky, um, we define kinky as whatever's taboo for you. So if it's sex out of missionary style, that might be the most edgy thing for you that you're doing doggy style or you're having oral sex. It doesn't necessarily mean the whips, chains, and uh, you know dungeons and and mommy daddy play and all that sort of stuff. That is, of course, part of the vast realm of the kink world. But really defining it as to what is taboo for you, and breaks down into two things: the physiological, which is like sensation, play, uh, constriction, spanking, um, scratching, could get into more intense things like you know blood play, that sort of thing. And then there's the psychological, which mostly lives in the realm of um, sort of like dominant submission games and, you know, playing with predicament bondage and things that, that may not have any actual physical intercourse involved, but it's about the gameplay. Um, kinkies can orgasm without being touched, just like an energetic can. Uh, they're highly creative and... The I'll mention one shadow that's very prominent for a lot of kinkies is shame. 
So this is bad, wrong. Why do I feel this way? Why do I want this thing? Then we have the shapeshifter and the shapeshifter wants all of it all the time. More. Don't stop. They are extraordinary lovers because they can shapeshift to feed the needs and desires of any lover, no matter their type. A shadow, a couple shadows for the shapeshifter are, um, they're all, they've, they've often been told that they're too much, right? Like you're too much, you're too big, you're too complex. And they've had to tamp down all of that creative expression and all of that desire. And then another aspect is they can feel, they can really feel left starving because they're so good at shape-shifting to fulfill a lover's needs. They might go all sensual, really great at doing that. But then all of the other, the energetic, sexual, kinky, all of that is left off the table and they're left wondering, well, where am I in this picture? I've been, I've been left, left in the gutter. <laughs> <laughs> That was a, a great synopsis. I imagine a five-year-old would be able to pass a test after. Yeah. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> so I'm going to make it a little bit more personal to us here now that we have the foundation laid of what the blueprints are. And so basically you can go online. If I'm not mistaken, where it has been living is MissJaya.com. Yeah, MissJaya.com, the erotic break, eroticbreakthrough.com. There's a number of things that all lead to the lead same to direction. The same, right, where you yeah. can then take a quiz. And I know that over the years, the quiz has populated something different on the, whether you get the whole breakdown or you get just your what your primary is. But um, I remember, you know, way... I don't know, maybe a couple to a few years ago, the amount of information was a lot. And sometimes that too, too much information can be too much to try and figure out. So I really appreciate the fact that it's, for, if I'm not mistaken, just the primary now. So it's like learn the primary. And if you really want to invest in, in what the rest of your blueprint says about you, then here's an opportunity to go a little bit deeper, go a little bit more. Yeah. Well, you have both options right out of the gate. The, we love the option of giving people just that primary blueprint. Like here's a Here's the map to that, your most resourced zone of arousal. Um, and it's a good place to start for people who just want to dip their toe in. Mm -hmm. The sort of danger zone with that is people will sometimes typecast themselves. Yeah. They'll think, oh, now I've got this piece of information and I've got everything that I need to go. Mm -hmm. When you get into the in-depth quiz where you get your, your pleasure profile, you see your types broken down to all the percentages, it starts to give you a deeper map and some really deeper insight into, um, especially like for, for the two of you, you've got your pleasure profiles. If you've got radically different primaries, that's going to be a challenging place for the two of you to meet up. But if you start to look down in your percentages, you can start to find like, oh, maybe one of you is a secondary of energetic. And that happens to be the, the tertiary or third blueprint for uh, the other of you. So then you can start to find, okay, here's, here's a place. If we're in this um, disconnection or you know, so-called sexual incompatibility in our primaries, as we go down that pleasure profile, where can we find places where it's easy for us to connect, where we can find our hell yeses together and then grow from that foundation? And I will diverge here as well, just for a moment. And I think this will start to come out as we start to dive into when we're talking more about your relationship and navigating all that you I'm sure have to navigate inside of your relationship. But the, 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 the erotic blueprints, like the core erotic blueprint is a deeper system than just the blueprint types. Right. So the blueprint types is foundational. It's that, um, it's sort of like your ID. And like I said, your, your, your most resourced zone of arousal, but there's so many things that affect our sexuality over the course of our life with an individual partner with where we are at a certain stage in our life. So the, the full cosmology of the erotic blueprints is, includes your state or stage of sexuality. Are you resting, curious, healing, um, adventurous in transformational, like what stage, and you can move through those over the course of a life. You can move through all of those in the course of one lovemaking session. And then you have the, um, the, what we look at as the four pathways or obstacles to sexual health and pleasure. And that has to do with your bio, uh, energetics. It has to do with your hormonal health. It has to do with your physical health and your emotional health. All of those things 
lead into um, either what's standing in a way, putting the brakes in your pleasure, or can you turn them into pathways to that fulfillment that you're seeking individually or with your partner? Totally. And I love the extra context because it's, you know, we're going to talk about some things that might on the surface feel very surface level to, to a degree, but there's always so much more to the conversation and each person's situation is so nuanced. You know, mm-hmm. if they've just lost someone that they, they love in their life, a parent is gone, a dog is gone. Um, yeah. if you're our family, that's like the most devastating thing that could possibly happen. Mm. Um, but you know, if there's, um, the lead up to menopause or something, something that's going on in the person's physiology or their emotional state, you know, it doesn't matter how much, you know, their partner is looking at them and going, but you're an energetic. And it's like, uh-huh. oh, look at all this fucked up shit that's happening around right. me right now. Like there's absolutely no way. I don't know. I don't sext me. Don't look at me. Don't do nothing. Yep. It, you know? Right. So it's great to just put that context, right? These incredibly nuanced situations. And so um, I'm going to ask Jordan now to share uh, the story about how I got him to take the quiz. The story. In the first place, <laughs> um, which was, you know, entertaining. And it's entertaining looking at it in hindsight and the way that we talk about it. Because I've been in this space um, of being a sex coach. I'm about to hit my five-year anniversary. And and so for us, the same, he, he comes into a relationship. I'm looking at him as this like golden California vanilla <laughs> mon- serial monogamist, you know, mm-hmm. and, and then he, I, you know, from where he's from and then I'm deep South Louisiana, I'm kind of vampiric and um, mo- up sex chick. moody and I talk about sex and I'm questioning monogamy and I'm helping people do relationships by their design and, and I'm, I'm in this world and I'm in, I'm in the kink community and all that. And then there's Jordan who's like, I choose you. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm looking at him like, I don't know why I'm about to choose you back because there's a couple, there's a couple really important things, you know, for me and my expression and my sexuality that are, are really important and navigating in the the space that I was navigating in the communities that I was navigating. It was very easy for me to just be, but for someone who doesn't understand, especially on a kink level and doesn't understand the language, it can be very confronting and conflicting, especially hearing it for the first time. Mm-hmm. And so we got into a relationship and I was like, you know, my main thing that I wanted from, from my now husband at that time we were dating was, are you curious? And do you have a willingness to play with me and discover to go on an adventure together? That's not because of me. Maybe I inspired it, but it is genuinely a curiosity for you. You feel that mm-hmm. authentically. And if that's the case, then I don't care if you know what these kinky terms mean let's go on this journey together which has been such a a, a forward motion and personal total personal development for both of us absolutely and so if you want to share a little bit about how eventually i was like i need you to take this quiz mm-hmm. <laughs> so kind of similar to what you were sharing you were probably six or so months into our relationship and honeymoon phase like sex is very accessible. It's great. We're just so in love riding that wave. And this subtle energy started to present itself of it wasn't as easy as it had been as often. Mm -hmm. And bless her heart. She tried so hard to describe it and to help me understand. And I, homie wasn't getting it. My logical mind, I just, I couldn't grasp what she was trying to communicate. And eventually, and this is about maybe three and a half years ago, something like that, she presented the erotic blueprint. So I want to publicly praise you, brother, because this has had a massive impact on our relationship personally. And taking that quiz, it brought the language, the clarity, the awareness to what was energetically taking place. And we... she got very emotional. We had a few uh, hours. Emotion is easy. For it's me. very accessible for me. Yes. yes. Uh, and it opened up this beautiful and challenging, like three plus hour conversation digging into um, our blueprints and to summarize those. And people on the show have heard us describe this, but so I'll kind of speed through it a little bit. My top two were her bottom two and vice versa. Her bottom two were my top two. Shocker. So <laughs> without having any awareness really around what that meant, my initial impulse was to panic more or less. Hmm. We're sexually incompatible. We are doomed. 
we should just quit while we're ahead kind of a thing. Um, mm-hmm. That was a, a pretty quick thought and feeling and impulse. And we are so much more like committed to the path of growth and personal development. And so that quickly shifted into actually our ceiling for connection, our depth and breadth, our spectrum is so much vaster than we could have ever hoped for. And so we've taken on that challenge in our relationship to discover that. And it's, it's definitely has its challenges and it's a long game, but I would have it no other way. It's just this perpetual uncovering and discovering. And, um, I'll go into the specifics of what those are just to provide even more context. My top two are sexual and sensual. And they're, they're pretty close in percentages. I want to say it's like 25 and 24, something like that. Um, my bottom two, kinky and energetic. And once again, for who, her, her top two, kinky, energetic, her bottom two, sensual, sexual. And more recently, we've taken it within maybe like six or so months ago. Mm-hmm. It was interesting to see. I, I don't remember specifically how yours had shifted, but mine personally, mm-hmm. the order was the same, but the percentages had leveled out significantly. And my theory around that is I am more aware of what it looks like, feels like the experience of kinky and energetic. So I can appreciate those and experience that Eros energy with those. And it has been such a fun, um, just opening journey for sure. Yeah. And we take that, we, it's, it's one of those easier said than done. So we're like, yeah, they're tear filled, heart connective conversation. We're going to look at this. Our mindset is going to be that this is great for us and great for our development. And that's like the, <laughs> the theory and what we're riding off into the sunset with. And then in actuality, it's like what the fuck it's like <laughs> still crunchy, so crunchy and just this consistent commitment over and over again. And even there was a period of time where it's like, okay, I'm going to figure this out. And then it was, you know, me going, all of this is sexual, all of it. It's sexual over and over and over again to some degree and still feeling like, okay, we have the language now, but, and we have like some level of understanding, but we're still kind of not moving over here. And Mm -hmm. so, and I'm going to, I'm going to pause here and just like get your, your insight. I mean, of course we've progressed in our relationship, but I imagine that there's so many people listening that are like, yeah, I'm, we're there. Hello, love bugs. Brinsky here. And I'm here to talk to you about codependency. <laughs> now, some of you know that I ended a 10 year relationship to break my codependency and to really heal my limiting beliefs and the way that I was operating in my marriage. But I'm here to talk to you about a different codependency. This is my codependency with coffee and how that relationship has just gotten a little out of hand lately where I was getting up to two lattes a day. Not only is it fucking expensive, um, it's not good for my hormones, my health, my anxiety. And I watched Lex try it and love it. And so I said, okay, I'm ready to make the switch too. I've made the switch and y'all, I absolutely love it. Everyday Dose is an incredible coffee alternative. It has got one third of the caffeine of coffee but it's loaded with all of these incredible ingredients like mushrooms and collagen and nootropics. And just by switching from coffee to everyday dose, I have noticed such an increase in my mood. I feel happier, less anxious. My energy is way more stable. I'm not having those crazy afternoon crashes. And I'm also not codependent on this beverage that I have to have in the morning or else I can't function because I hated that. I hated being so reliant on something. And so um, I'm so grateful that I made that switch. And if you were looking to break your codependency too, then I invite you to check it out, to try it. When you use the code that sex chick, you get 20% off an already discounted starter kit, which takes it up to, I think, 65% off your first order, which makes it so freaking affordable y'all. Um, there's literally no risk to try it. And if you decide that you don't like it, they literally give you your money back, but I love everyday dose. I imagine you will too. And so I encourage you to give it a try. Let us know how you like it and break that codependency once and for all. Now back to today's show. I'm going to reflect a couple of, um, wins that I just hear in the way you speak about your process. One is you talk about 
commitment, um, you talk about, uh, you use the word willingness. So willingness is a key indicator of, is, are the, are you able to bridge the gap? And the willingness is the thing that sustains you through the, through the disappointment or the things that is like, that's not how I wanted it. Or the, they're not, you're not really getting me. You're not really hearing me. Um, there's still the, I am hearing, I'm projecting into the situation, um, that there's still a sense of, um, unmet desire. Like you're not quite matching each other in the zones where you want to match each other. Am I hearing that correctly? Possibly. I think for us now we are, we've gone through, of course, various stages. He is like the, using the term willing. I think we're both, our willingness is very present. Um, and so his willingness to get into, to get out of his comfort zone, to create a situation that he knows I'm going to be interested in and I'm, I, going to be seduced by and excitedly so um mm-hmm. that that gap is significantly more narrow and the way that he prioritizes putting things on our calendar and certain date nights and different things laying them out shows me that he i matter and it's not just mm-hmm. about sex and so my willingness to go up to him in the kitchen and immediately put hands on cock and balls is significantly like i'm i'm way more into it because i i know that that's not all that i'm getting served that I yeah, know, absolutely. I know that that's not the only way that this goes down. And mm-hmm. so I think, again, there's this consistent willingness to play with each other and kind of go back and forth. Keyword, prioritizing pleasure, right? So um, I think it was a recent study, and I'm not going to be able to cite it, but the, it was something like less than 10% of people are walking around in, in the state of arousal, like actually ready to have sex. And, and, you know, that with our statistics and how much data we have on people who rate themselves as sexual, that even includes people who consider themselves sexual types. And there's this misconception that if we love each other, we're passionate about each other, it should be spontaneous. It should be, it should just occur. And I love to hear that you're prioritizing, that you schedule the time that you uh, actually plan ahead and then how that resonates for you and your body of he that you feel seen you feel held you feel that you are important all of these things that you the both of you are reflecting all of your listeners these are key they're foundational to creating um the structures that support relationship over time um you know it was one of the Jai and I, about two years ago, um, hit sort of a different zone uh, in terms of our relationship and the solidity of of how unbreakable the relationship feels. Um, and and part of part of that was just a constant years of revealing and stepping into the fire of being true to who we were and being true with each other and. Uh, you know, certain big cathartic moments in our growth. But what set the foundation for what feels like a new, new plateau for us was tons of structured play. And, and what happens, I think, for a lot of people when you step into structured play is you've still got your agenda running. It's supposed to get you someplace. You're supposed to solve something. You're supposed to figure something out. And then that is going to resolve the problem permanently. And we set up a whole bunch of containers, like this is a bunch of the coursework with erotic, the erotic blueprint breakthrough course, set up all sorts of containers for, or, or structures in which you are playing to gather information. You're not playing to go and have sex, have intercourse, ejaculate, you know, get the, you know, get the result. You're there to discover and deepen your erotic intelligence. So something like, I don't know if you, if either of you've done the course, but the, um, something like our AB game, which is this, you know, how you go to the dentist and they flip the thing of like, is A better or is B better? And you keep going through those charts. If you have a smorgasbord of erotic opportunity in front of you, Mm -hmm. here's what a rope is. Here's what a feather does. Here's what a, and here's all the ways that we can play with those. You have an endless opportunity for a b game where you start to learn what it is that truly turns your lover's body psychology on in a place where it's about gathering information it's not about results or outcomes so those kinds of things where you talk about these structured 
dates, these structured moments in your erotic life and your time to connect, those can become exploration periods. It sounds like they probably already are. But the more conscientious you can get about creating a container that creates the safety, the certainty of, okay, well, this is what this is about. We're playing with my energetic this time. That means that intercourse and cock and balls are off the table for the next 30 minutes, 45 minutes. It's all about opening to this energetic. And there's another piece in here, which is about patience. So if you're in relationship or relationships in the poly realm, and you're looking at longevity, why are we all in such a rush? Yeah, there's the frustration, there's the starvation, maybe there's um, years of um, crossed boundaries even inside a relationship that have become embedded in the body, in the physical body. But it's going to take some time and reestablishing of trust and safety for those things to open up so that then you can access arousal. Because if you, if you just keep going at the solution, you're going to miss all the key indicators, the red lights on the dashboard of, wait, every time I move in to have intercourse with my partner, even if I just spent three hours in energetic, <laughs> um, uh, you know, turn on and being in that space and I'm not paying attention to like, oh, her body is gripping. The moment that I move from this to that, and then I override and go, well, it's, I put in my three hours. It's time to fuck. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to reinforce the same things that have that got you in the in the situation in the first place. So mm -hmm. there's an uh, often because people have walked into sexual um, communion so quickly based on previous conceptions, bad education, no education, uh, you know, operating in the in the haze of lack of confidence. I don't know what I'm doing, but they don't want to admit that they don't know what they're doing. You've created in longer term relationships this whole um, resonance of negativity and it, it it can take really like reinventing your relationship, stepping back. One radical experience that uh, I didn't realize how radical it was going to be until we stepped into it was inside of my relationship with Jaya, we realized we had all of these assumed consents. Like, oh, it was just great. It was fine. We could hug each other whenever. We, I could grab her ass when I wanted. She could put her hand on my crotch when she wanted. There were these assumed consents. So we took on a practice where we took all consent off the table. Anything other than like a logistical conversation of you're going to pick up our son or we're going to, you know, that kind of thing. Everything. Like, I would like to have a conversation about, um, you know, the, you know, something deep in our relationship. I'd, I would have to ask consent for it. I would like to put my hand on your shoulder. Yes, no. So we could each start to feel into what our true consent was. And every two weeks, we would renegotiate our consent contract. We would add some things in that were blanket consent. Yeah, you can hug this. These two weeks, you can hug me whenever you want, or you can put your hand on my knee, or we'd take that thing off because it felt like it was too much, too quick, too fast. We did this for months. And it, it really, like the first couple of weeks, I was literally having moments where I was trembling and shaking because it was like DTs. It was like withdrawal. Because I didn't have the immediate access to, oh, I can just hug you when I want. I can just go for the comfort. I, I can just get my needs met without being conscious of what you need at that moment. So it made it, it brought consent really into the foreground and made us choose each other all over again, wiping away all of the assumptions we had had established for at that point, probably eight years in our relationship. That's beautiful. And I imagine so uh, challenging and worth it. And I think I'm just reminded in these kinds of conversations and, and even just like taking the meta perspective every so often in my relationship with Jordan, the day to day relationships take effort. They take presence, they take intention, they take work. And I imagine, you know, like there's people who are going through their day to day and they're not addressing certain things and they might hear what you just described and are like, Oh, that sounds terrible. Like I would never do uh -huh. that. But then what is the alternative? You know what right. I mean? So it's like, okay, so you're basically 
in some ways living a, a version of Groundhog Day, where it's we're living for maybe the weekends or whatever your lifestyle ha, you know is set up for, and avoiding certain things. And then next thing you know, you're in partnership with someone that feels maybe emotionally unavailable, like they feel mm-hmm. numb because they have reached a point where they're just stifling things so much and conversations aren't being had and that's being shoved down inside of their bodies and they're just like zipped up tight. And then, you know, and for us, people find their way to us sometimes where they're not, they're not available for that anymore, but they still really, truly to the depths of who they are, mean their commitment and mean their love and where their, their, um, origin story of their relationship. They're still very connected to that, but how do people just prioritize doing the work and knowing, like you just said a little while ago, when it comes to sex, sometimes not having the, certainly not having the confidence to say, I don't really know what the hell I'm doing, but then also I don't know what I'm doing in relationships either. So Mm. in sex education and, and I mean, there was at least a little tiny bit for some people, relationship education, zero, how to be in a relationship and how to relate to your romantic partner is zero. And for, for me, and I know for Jordan too, both, both parents married several times. I had no Mm. models for what a, what a deep relationship and and a, and a true relationship that, that both parties are committed to its growth and its development, even when it's challenging, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? So I didn't really have the good, the good outlook of like hunky dory, but they're just hiding the stuff in the background. I didn't have either of it. (laughs) So, so, and I don't, I don't know how you would describe yours, Jordan, but it's just like, so what, what do we do here with this lack of information? You know what I mean? So I think that's one of the reasons why our show has become so popular in the way and how people are found their way to us eventually is I think for us, we feel very normal. You know, we're having this Mm. conversation we're real fucking people. And you, you and your partner have created this, you know, methodology that a lot of people around the world, um, whatever the Avenue, the content Avenue they're absorbing it are like, Oh shit. Like it's giving them the little crack open to this is worth me exploring more. Um, Mm -hmm. and is of course participating in, maybe go even a little bit more. We were in a collective awakening of sorts of like, it's not just about my sexuality. I'm going to start here with the seed of sexuality and it's going to, you know, creep up throughout my body. And here I am, um, available to even more beyond, you know, just understanding when a vulva is warm and ready for insertion, you know, like it's Mm -hmm. bigger, it's bigger and broader than that. I love that consent experiment that is quite radical. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's some inspiration there to pull from for sure. Well, I mean, how many times do you slap my ass? That's and exactly I, what and I was I thinking. Go, and I go, <laughs> I just go, no. She'll, mm-hmm. she'll say that was for you. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. You're right. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like every now and then there's definitely an erotic blueprint gifted piece of information for me is those times when he walks up to me and he starts massaging like my shoulders and he'll start touching my arms and he might give me a little kiss on the neck and then immediately the hands go to the boobs and I go, I love you. So well, he did a little bit of this, like he did a little (laughs) bit of this touchy touchy on my arms and my shoulders and like a little kiss on the neck. And then all of a sudden I have hands on my boobs and, and I'm like, I love you so much. And I just want you to know that this touch is just for you. (laughs) (laughs) So, in embedded in the way that you just ex- expressed what was happening about all of that are the blueprints, mm-hmm. right? Just you, you described the physical thing, but your emotional experience to you, you both have a distinct emotional experience. You had said, uh, you know, sarcastically like, Oh, you know, when she said immediately, you're like, well, immediately you probably spent, felt like you spent a lot of time <laughs> yep. warming things up, getting things ready so that you could have your experience with her breasts. <laughs> and you, if you hear it, if you hear <laughs> a lifetime, exactly. And if you hear it in her experience, it was nowhere near what was needed to get to the point of touching her primary erogenous zones. Right. Everything's got to be lit up with desire for the energetic of like, and even then, sometimes the move to a nipple or a breast or uh, then that's where you start to get into the subtlety of the type of touch. Yeah. So there are ways that you can do energetic breast touch where you're actually not touching the breast, but you're creating all of that arousal. You're creating, and you may, as a sexual, you may still be able to tap into that sexual aspect of like, okay, well, I'm connecting with her breasts or I'm connecting with her vulva and have it feel like it's not, you're putting off your own needs, wants, or desires, but you're finding that 
um, empathetic resonance of like, okay, this one, this version, and that's where EB games and testing and like taking the agenda off is like, oh, I really actually can tap into my hands or an inch off of her breasts and my sexual is getting aroused by, oh, whoa, she's really getting turned on by not being touched, but I can have the imagination and the feeling of like, oh, I'm right in, I'm right in there and getting my jollies off. Uh-huh. But you've got to find that place where neither one of you is um, compromising. Not that it doesn't happen. Not that they're, like you said, like you're saying, that touches for you. Sometimes that might be okay for you that it's for him, as long as it's clear that's for you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in my mind, if I can spin it to where it's kinky, you mm. know, and it, and it's mm. like, he's taking, or, yeah. you know, if I, something like that. And if I can quickly go there in my mind, then I can play along and I'm really into it too. But sometimes mm. it's not necessarily accessible. So, and, and as, even as you're describing that, cause we haven't tried the, I'm going to hover hands. It's been a long time. Yeah. It's been a long time where it's definitely been like hands holding over and things like that. But, um, you know, even our most recent escapade that we had where we rented the hotel room and we had this, this experience, which we do probably like once a month, like we live literally, it takes longer for us to put our, pack our bags and put it in the car that, you know, as it takes us to actually get to the hotel, like we're literally downtown and, but we'll still have the hotel like maybe once a month. Um, and we'll do like ritual and we'll have this whole create an experience. Um, but even then, like a couple nights ago, you, you asked permission. It was, can I touch you? And I said, yes. And as we're having this conversation, it would have probably been way more erotically charged for me if it was, you hovered over me, you know? Yeah. And I'm thinking about the experience actually with Kimmy and Casey, that was a very much an aha moment for me. We were able to observe um, Kimmy is a dominatrix lead Casey, who's an erotic blueprint coach certified, I believe. And, yeah. and an energetic and an energetic. And we watched Kimmy take her through this scene where energetic was very present and watching mm-hmm. Casey have a beautiful orgasmic bioenergetic cathartic experience with and Kimmy didn't touch like she was kind of straddling her, but wasn't touching her with her hands. Mm-hmm. And it was so authentic. It was so beautiful. Just being witnessed. I was like, well, yeah, this is, this is powerful. This is something that I can get a lot of inspiration from. So I'm glad you're. Yeah, for sure. But I that. think when we start talking about sex and stuff, people automatically assume, well, like people are ta- are touching and their clothes are coming off and like, it's, it's going to be in this particular way. And I'm sure mm-hmm. that there's so many people who are listening to us, our reflection, some of the experiences that we've had and what you're sharing, Ian. And are kind of wondering where they fit in it all. And mm-hmm. so I, I would love some of your insight as someone who's just, maybe this is their first time they're hearing this kind of information. Like what do mm. they, what do you suggest they do with it? Hmm. Whoa. There's a vast, vast opportunities. The first thing that's popping up for me is um, starting to get as much as possible present to your body awareness. You know, the canary in the coal mines, the body, the body never lies. It can, it can deceive you because it's, you've been playing games with it and, and giving it the wrong signals forever. But usually if, if you're, if it's deceiving you, it's telling you other signals of like, um, you know, like the, I clench when my lover touches me or something like that. It's like there, there's opportunity to start listening to the body first as the signal. So when let's say somebody does the blueprint quiz, and they come up with like a primary kinky and they're like, wait a second, I don't know what kinky is. And that yeah. freaks the fuck out of me is to one, take off any expectation that that means that you have to do be behave, you start going to kink clubs and start wearing black leather and, you know, <laughs> do 20,000 piercings in your ears. It <laughs> doesn't mean any of that. <laughs> You know, you know that community so well. (laughs) I still can't get over the mustache and the hot tub though. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I grew up with. I was like, that's what swinging is. That seems really like uncomfortable and weird. Uh And now I've been to, you know, many, you know, swinger gatherings and it's most of them don't have any of that, that sense at all. Um, 
But I, I would say one titrate your experience and the body help and titrate is like take little bits at a time so you don't get overwhelmed, especially if it's new to you. Go at your own pace. Don't start, you know, you might be adventurous or curious and you really want to dive in like you find it you're kinky. You're like, oh, that does resonate with me. And I'm now I do want to go to the kink club and I want to find a dom and I want to do la, la, la. <laughs> like the voracious appetite might open up on the other hand. So um, either way, I'd say titrate and start to get more informed because what is lacking, like you said, some people got a little bit of a biological sex education. You talked, you then talked about relationship education, but the other piece in there is even if you got a good biological education about sex and sexual anatomy, I can all but guarantee you did not get a pleasure education. Mm -hmm. You did not start to learn how to use your own body or how to instruct somebody else how to use your own body. So titrate your experience so you feel comfortable. You continue feeling comfortable because if you go too far too fast, it might just be another contraction that you're creating for yourself. Mm -hmm. um, stop living in the silo of ignorance. Start to find sex educators. Find uh, people who know the terrain, who can educate you, who can open up the doors in ways that are um, coming from knowledge, safety, um, consent, all the things that we bake into our community, they're fundamental. Like safety is the safety is the root to anybody being able to open to their sexuality. Even if you're playing with edgy play where the, like in kink, where it's not safe, right. it's the foundation of safety that allows you to go to those edges. So start to learn what safe is in your body. A lot of people are in relationships and they do not feel safe with their lover. Right. They pass and that of, and they pass that responsibility off to their lover too. Like it's your responsibility to make me feel safe or to create right. an environment that's safe for me. Yep. As opposed to starting to learn what the language of safety is for them and to express it, declare it, claim it. Um, you know, there's, there's the beginning of like knowing your pleasure, which is something like the blueprint quiz. There's other modalities, but the blueprint quiz is a, is a great example of like, oh, now I have some, I start to have some key language around what um, energetic is a lot of people walking around as energetics. They have no frame of reference because there's probably, you know, 0.1% represented energetic sexuality in movies and, and media. So you don't even know. So you're just weird and broken and like, I don't you have no relatedness. So now you've, you get to know, Oh, I'm an energetic. Here's a little bit about what that means. Then the next stage I would say is owning that pleasure. Oh, I really am energetic. So what does that mean that I need for my erotic expression? How do I need to guide a lover? What kind of language do I need to bring them into that conversation? How do I have explicit conversations about what my needs, wants, and desires are and what my lover's wants, needs, and desires are? So you start to own it. Perhaps you've inherited cultural beliefs that masturbation or self-pleasure is bad, wrong. This is weird. I shouldn't be doing this. Maybe you've inherited things around. Um, I mean, we all have these unconscious beliefs of like, you know, an extreme example would be, well, if I've kissed someone, that means we're in love and we have to start dating. And now we're in a relationship. Start to examine those, right? Because you're taking, you've taken culturally inherited family relationship, religious relationship, beliefs, and you've embodied them. And now they're controlling your sex life. They're controlling your erotic expression. So starting to dismantle, is that mine? Do I actually want to believe that? Or how do I own my truth? I'm a vulva-bodied human, and I love to have sex, and I love porn, and I love, you know, nude bodies, but that's not acceptable in culture. Like being a vulva body, you're supposed to be essential and want roses and romance. And, and if you express yourself sexually, you're a slut. Well, what does it mean to own? Yeah, I'm a slut. I like to fuck. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so there's the owning and then there's the living. So once you start to get that facility of I've, I own this, I know how to declare who I am, what I want, what I desire. I know how to be that for somebody else. Then you get into the living. How, do, how am I fully expressed in this? How does this show up in all aspects of my life to some degree? You know, like, you know, blueprints are a beautiful model. We've had people redesign their homes or buy homes based on their blueprint. Mm -hmm. 
right? I've been living in a sexual house with everything being like totally about function. And I'm an energetic sensual and I need form and spaciousness and light and beauty in my space. And those things start to the setting the structure of your life then allows you to f live the life because mm. if your structure doesn't support it, then you're fighting, you're, you're swimming upstream. Totally. So we're searching for, we're in the process of house hunt now and ah. something that hasn't been on the list. Well, has been our erotic blueprints, but, um, I'm just thinking, I think when we go into places, we've been thinking about like, what would our intimacy, our sexual intimacy look like going into, into a house. But now I'm going to, now that that's at the forefront of my mind, now that you've said that, I'm going to put it all the way towards the top. I'm mm. going to go, how do, how turned on am I by this place? Cause yeah. you're right. Form and function. We're thinking of starting our family, you know, in late 2022. And so I'm thinking all about like the primary bedroom has to be on the bottom floor so that it can be right there by the kitchen. Cause for form and function, like it needs to, and, and that's, that is true and good. And that will probably make my life much easier, but the rest of the space and how it's set up, um, I'm going to, I'm going to have that in my awareness, which hopefully I would imagine if I put that intention into it and, and that consideration into it is going to feed our sexual intimacy and our intimacy in general, our closeness. Um, again, when we feel, I know for our relationship, when we feel really connected, whether that's sexually or just emotionally or whatever, our whole life feels flows so much smoother and so much better. And sometimes, truth. right. And sometimes I think people are like, Oh my gosh, you people just all focus sex, 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 it's sex. It's mm. always sex. I'm like, yeah, tell me what relationship or what humans walking around on the planet right now that their life is not consumed by this. Yeah. Right. You haven't met them being, being authentic about it. Um, and then like, if we take the word sex, but then, so sex is going to appeal to the, the speaking of some of the blueprints, but for others, it might be a contraction, right. like, you know, a shadow of the energetic, for instance, is they can be hierarchical and judgmental of other forms of sexual expression. It's not spiritual enough. It's not, um, you know, it's not about connection and love. It's just about base sexual needs. If anybody is listening, they're like, oh, sex, 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 and it's all about sex. Just expand it to pleasure. Mm -hmm. What brings you pleasure? You know, could be a cup of coffee, could be the co intimate conversation that you have with your lover. Intimate conversations can be extremely erotic. They can be arousing. They can be connecting. They can bring all. And, and what is it that you value in your relationship? Connection. Love. Um, commitment, being seen, honesty, safety, sex and eroticism are one of the most intimate zones in our relationships where those values have an opportunity to get expressed or dismissed. So how does it weave in your life? Like our number one core brand value is pleasure first. We begin our company meetings with pleasure first. It's a PG version. It's not like what we might do in a, in a workshop where we're going deep into, you know, breathing ritual and orgasmic sensation, but we make sure to drop into pleasure first. So we're operating, we're, we're, we're setting this foundation for coming into our conversations, planning, connecting with each other from resource. Not from like, oh, here's the tension. Here's all the shit we got to do. Here's the, th here's, we're going to get right to business and blah, blah, blah. We're going to start with pleasure. And people in relationship, an equivalent would be something like, oh, well, we sleep together and we wake up. And what do we do first? We both roll over, grab our phones and start checking out our texts and the mm -hmm. news feed and the blah, blah, blah. Or do we take a moment to drop into cuddling and connecting? And start with pleasure first. If you live solo, single, do you start your day by getting on your cell phone and, you know, checking out what everybody else needs from you? Or do you take a moment to drop into my breath? Oh, the light coming through the, the window shade. Oh, I'm feeling some orgasmic energy. I'm going to take some time to self-pleasure. Whatever that scenario is that sets your day in a foundation of pleasure. And like you said, you feel more alive, connected when people are having, you know, uh, I'll say when people are having pleasure, but the studies around sex and sexuality, your stress levels go down, your um, immune 
function goes up. Longevity increases. Um, of course, for many people, their productivity at work goes up. When you feel grounded, rooted, connected in your relationship, all is good there. Boom. I'm, I'm fully here for the work that I'm here to do in the world, as opposed to having this running thing of dissatisfaction going in the background. That was such a beautiful reframe. I love the pleasure as opposed to sex and pleasure first. And what that makes me think about is how, so we have a, a program called couples goals. And when we get into dominant sub dominance and submission, and somebody is labeled as a dom, somebody labeled as a sub, when we go into that play, we found that many people are resistant to that because there's judgments, there's stuff that comes up around that. So we, we have reframed it to follower and leader. This mm. person's a leader. I'm the follower. It's so much more like mm. soft, so to speak. People can get on board with that, connect to that. Those subtle little reframes yeah. that can make all the difference. And even saying the word pleasure gives space to this. There's not an expectation that sex is going to even yeah. happen in this without having to say sex isn't, you know, there isn't an expectation because even sometimes just stating that is like a little bit contraction. So it's like the, if the whole premise is to go, um, go through the avenue of pleasure first and really delivering and receiving and being in pleasure first. And then we'll see where that leads us and we can reevaluate um, mm -hmm. or maybe we'll feel complete. So I really, I really enjoyed that too. So I know that we're coming up to the hour of our time together and this is just, you know, go figure my favorite subject in the whole wide world, intimacy, love, connection, sex, pleasure. And, um, and I'm feeling super grateful for this convo, the insights that you've been able to share and, um, express in our own relationship and hearing our reflections and, and our walk down memory lane. And then of course, sharing just pieces of information about the general methodology of the erotic blueprints. Um, I want to highlight one more time that what we spoke about here, there's only so much you can get into in an hour long conversation. And of course, kudos to you, Ian, for making sure you, you pointed out the like, learn about yourself, reframe consent. Like you were checking lots of boxes in my <laughs> sex educator, sexual wellness, professional brain where I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I always want to say that even more and even more. And, um, and so let this conversation, everyone who's listening, be a permission slip. Take this as a permission slip. There's so much more. And there, you know, finding community of people who are also curious makes going on this journey that much, I'll use the word easier, makes it a bit easier because like we were saying in earlier parts of the convo, it, it's hard to be in a place of like, I don't know what I don't know is one thing. And then also feeling like you have to assume this role of confidence. Mm -hmm. It's like a misplaced confidence of, well, I, I know how to have sex. So that's mm -hmm. it. You mm -hmm. know, like I can make a baby, so <laughs> I must know how to have sex or, yeah. you know, something, something like that. Like I'm married, so I must be your professional husband or a professional wife or professional <laughs> partner. And so let this just be, a uh, um, a permission slip of curiosity. There's some things that it's impossible for you to know that you don't know it. And so, um, yeah, maybe it's the erotic blueprints or something else that we described within this conversation. That's like, you know what, I'm going to get a little bit more info there and see mm -hmm. where the next stop in the rabbit hole is going to lead you. Um, because for someone who's been in this space, as long as I have been, which is only a fraction of the time that you've been in this space, Ian, I can just say, I'm really looking forward to a life filled with unknown and playing mm -hmm. with the unknown and knowing that each phase and cycle that comes with my body, my being and our relationship is going to provide a whole new series of mysteries that we get to interact with every single day, <laughs> which some days I'm like, I'm tired. Can we take a break from processing? Um, but most days I'm like, wow, look at, there's still so much more to learn. And that's, um, to me, the beauty, one of the one of the big beauties in life. Mm -hmm. I love saying making love is not, I mean, having sex is natural. Making love is an art. That's great. So, would you like to become an erotic artist or do you just want to keep fucking like a bunny and <laughs> for the sexuals? I'm like, yeah, that sounds yeah. good to me. How about both? How about both? D all of the above. Yeah. So, um, as we round out the, the show officially, how would you like for people who want to learn more? Of course, I know they can take the quiz. We mentioned that. Um, to find you and your work. I also know we didn't mention sex, love and goop, which is a big way that people can oh. learn a little bit more 
about what you do as well. So what would you say are your favorite ways? Because I know erotic blueprint information is sprinkled all over the internet. Um, So what are some of your favorite ways people absorb your content? Well, the podcast like this is a great way. So thank you so much for having me on. It's been a total pleasure. Um, The quiz is really the, is the doorway. Right. So if you go to jaya.love, J-A-I-Y-A dot love or missjaya.com, you can go to eroticbreakthrough.com, theblueprintbreakthrough.com. We've got like 20,000 URLs pointing to, <laughs> to essentially the same thing. But when you go to the Jaya main page, you'll see an opportunity to take the quiz. That'll take you to a couple of options. You can do the um, the basic quiz, which gives you a primary blueprint. You can dive right into the in-depth quiz, which gives you a full report, gives you how your blueprint plays with other blueprint types. Um, so the quiz, the quiz, cause it's all, it's all about, um, you know, moving into, into that curiosity, that playfulness and, and seeing what the next, um, you know, place in that rabbit hole, like you were talking about where, where's your entry point. And when people start to look at the cosmology of the blueprints, it gives you all sorts of access points to start to ask those questions and get a language um, that you may not have had ever in your life before. Right. So start with the quiz is what I heard. Yeah. Yeah. And I would double down on that. That quiz just continues to be the gift that keeps on giving in our relationship and people that we work with. That is a go-to resource. And I so recommend doing the more involved one. I think it's like $17 and it is yeah. just the bang for your buck. Um, the cool. ROI is strong there. yeah we put a lot of time into it so i'm glad you're having that experience yeah we can definitely tell and we so appreciate you for taking your time and sharing your gifts and your message with all the listeners of that sex chick Mm, my pleasure thank you so much thanks so much for listening to today's show if you loved it be sure to subscribe so you never miss a new episode and if you extra extra loved it make sure to leave a five-star review i'll see y'all next week